Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of Skids Up RC Heli Podcast. Um, tonight, we are honored to have a very special guest with us, uh, Michael, who is the developer of the HeliX uh, flight simulator. So we are super excited to have him on, and we'll get to talking with him and his story in just a few minutes. Um, right now, I've got, it's just myself and Javier, although I do believe that Frank will be joining us in a few minutes. And if he joins before the podcast is over, we'll get his take on the last couple of weeks. But um, Javier, why don't you go ahead and get things started for us? What have you been doing for the last couple of weeks? For sure. Uh, well, um, I'm. Uh, <laughs> it, it's funny because I can say that the Goblin 420 Frankenstein experiment is complete. However, uh, it is not complete. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and what happened is that I decided to switch flyberless system. So I'm going to move away from 3DG and I'm going to go to Spirit. So um, I didn't want to, you know, get all the all the wiring nice and tidy and zip tied and everything and then have to do it all over again. So I decided just to take out the flyberless unit for now and uh, just wait until I get the new flyberless units in. Uh, so, um, so basically, you know, the entire, the entire assembly is complete, but you know, I'm going to have to do the entire setup now. And of course, learning a new flyerless unit. Um, I went through the software, you know, it seems pretty simple. Um, I, um, popped some questions on Helifreak. It seems like it's going to be fine. Um, I don't anticipate, you know, any, any, any issues trying to learn, um, this new flyerless system, of course, a little, a little bit things will be different, but um, we'll see how it fits. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be good. Um, the plan originally was to get um, four flyberless units, four new Spirit twos for all of my four helicopters. However, um, I made some math and um, I'm also going to be needing some batteries. So I also need uh, 5,000 milliamp uh, battery packs uh, for the 570. So basically what I'm going to do, uh, because uh, I have a limited amount of money and that, um, because as you know, uh, we're nearing, uh, we're actually in the uh, tax season. So what, I, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to take uh, part of the tax refund money and fund this project. Um, so because I have just a limited, budget um i won't be able to get all four and the packs so what i'm gonna do is that i'm gonna get three i'm gonna still be flying one of the helicopters i still haven't fully decided which one i think the 380 i'm gonna leave it with the 3dg and the other three with the spirit 2 and um uh, i'm gonna have a little bit more batteries for the 570 or else i won't be able to fly that uh, machine as much as i would like to because I really just have one pack for it. Um, uh, because of what I wanted to do was, uh, right now I have four dedicated packs for the 500. So only one one pack uh, remains for the 570. And I don't think that's enough. Recording, recording. Hey, welcome aboard, man. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, that's basically what I've been doing. I've also been seeing a lot. As you know, here on the uh, chilled, um, icy, uh, frigid pieces of the Midwestern USA, um, it's still very cold. 
it's uh, 28 degrees today. Um, it's uh, It was starting to get nice like in the 50s, 40s, and then it dropped back again like it's usually in Wisconsin. So um, I've been uh, doing a lot of simming. And uh, actually, I, uh, I've been uh, work, working with Michael uh, and doing some uh, Heli-X uh, as well. Because as you know, I've, I've usually used uh, AccuRC, but I've been using Heli-X lately and enjoying it immensely. Um, and um, I, you know, I've solved some, uh, some issues that I had that I was unable to record. I finally was able to record and upload my first uh, sim video with Heli-X up on YouTube. So um, I've been uh, working on that, uh, you know, seeming a lot, trying to, um, I, I call myself a, a very much a beginner. Um, I, I'm trying to learn, you know, the muscle memory of, uh, of all the movements and I'm trying to do everything, you know, uh, clockwise, kind of clockwise, um, one, one way, the other, uh, to try to, you know, uh, really, really, really get to fly properly. So, um, so that's what uh, basically I've been uh, I've been doing, and um, uh, other than that, um, just uh, waiting for fair weather to come along. Hey, can you guys? Sorry, I'm gonna have to pause this for a second. Can you guys hear me? Yes, I can. I just got a notice from Zoom that said my account had been signed in somewhere else, and it kicked me out of the meeting. Ah, uh, was that Frank? It it sounds like a Frank thing. Why does it have to be a Frank? Like, what does it have to be a Frank thing? It's it sounds it sounds like something Frank would do. What, how did I how did I sign into your account somewhere else? I don't know, Frank. You tell me, man. You're the one that did it. I'm 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 good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> no, I don't know what that was. It was weird. It just popped up and and then disappeared again. Um, well, you know what happened is I, I logged into the the number you sent us yesterday. Yeah. Or the the last last week, the one that was you were having problems with failures. Right, because that's that's what I remember from last time is that I was locked out of my meeting last week. Or two weeks mm. ago, I'm still blaming you, Frank. This is still your fault. So, so I'm blaming you. Actually, you're the one who sets these things up. I'm just here for the for the show and take credit for the uninvolved. So, I don't, I don't. Fair enough. That's actually that's actually a good point. <laughs> you know, I really don't do anything other than shit talk and stir up a bunch of drama. So, <laughs> all right, we're totally keeping this in there. Well, well, welcome to the show, Frank. Thanks for showing up, man. Yeah, man. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I left work like an hour ago, so I, I rushed him to be on here, right? Just I'm for, just messing with you. Just for you guys. Um, so, hey, Javier, so are you saying that um, you – have you not had a chance to take out the spirit at all for, for a spin? Is this um, – the, the or have you just flown a little bit or what? No, the spirit units have not yet arrived. Ah, okay. Um, what happens – well, I haven't actually ordered them <laughs> yet. What happens is that – I wasn't really – I wasn't really listening to you when you were talking. <laughs> That's that definitely sounds like the case. That definitely sounds like so, the case. So it's not just me that does that. So it's not just me. So do I need to repeat? Do I need to like play back everything that I've just said? I was too busy composing things to say angrily at Frank. Sorry, man. I couldn't help it. Dude, you, you should be used to this already. Architects are late all the time, right? <laughs> well, I also told him before we started, I was like, you know, architects have an extreme sense of time dilation. He could be five minutes late. He could be two hours late. <laughs> Hey, I gave an accurate representation of when I was going to be in. I said fifteen guys, any fifteen minutes, and by fifteen, yeah, you said that. You said that thirty minutes ago, Frank. Yeah, I know. It's like I'm going to be fifteen <laughs> minutes after the the uh, the agreed upon time. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, well, that sounds like a pretty eventful couple weeks, Javier. Um, since I actually was listening to most of it, uh, what um, when do you think you'll be able to find a window in the weather and go test some of this new stuff out? Um. 
I don't know, March, uh, end of March, April, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It all depends on the, you know, on the climate change, really, <laughs> on, on, on when it decides to uh, to give fair weather again. And it, it's it's really frustrating in Wisconsin um, on, on, you know, in the last few years that I've been here, because it's not like it's not like, uh, you know, there's a full season, you know, um, like uh, you get you get you get cold weather, you get snow, then you start warming up into the 40s, into the 50s into the 60s and eventually into the 80s, right? It's not like that. You know, in here in Wisconsin, it starts, starts warming up to the 50s, to the 60s, and then you go back to the 20s, and then you remain there for a while. Then you go back again to, like, the 50s, 60s. Then you go back down again to the 20s. I mean, it's it, it's crazy. You really don't know when, the, when, when you know, you really think that the that the season is finally, you know, ending and uh, warm warm weather is starting to to come. And then it just all goes goes down the toilet, you know. It it's really frustrating. Yeah. So I really don't know. I really don't know when you know when when it'll be. And it, and every every year it seems to be different. You know, last year it snowed a lot. Now it's snowed uh, like half of what it snowed last year. Just, I, I don't know. Javier, I totally. I don't know exactly. I totally agree with you here, man. Here in Florida, it's it's been creeping into the sixties. The last couple of weekends, man. I don't even know how to deal with it, dude. I'm ha- I'm actually having to. I mean, did you have to wear pants or something? That's just crazy. I had to wear, uh, no, I still wear my flip-flops and jeans. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not total chaos out here. You know, you got to keep some kind of control of things. <laughs> but I ha- but I had to wear a jacket, guys. I really did. I had to put a sweater on and I actually wore multiple layers, you know. Well, see, we had, we had the same thing as Wisconsin over here last week, except it was not as extreme. You know, this weekend was 75 degrees and it was it was 29 this morning. I was like, what the hell's going on? Oh, dude, it was rough. It's this this winter has been brutal for me. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I need I need to like go to Puerto Rico for a month or something. You know, I just I got I got to go back to some heat. You know. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. So so we'll see we'll see. You know, at, so at least I have time. You know, to get to get a hold of uh, you know of how it works and understand a little bit and do a lot of you know bladeless testings you know to check out the governor to check out the settings and you know to play around with it to really get get familiar with it so um so that gives me some time and also to keep playing around with the sim you know it doesn't doesn't hurt to keep building muscle memory so i try you know you know guys i try to see it on the bright side it's not it's not all you know grim Although it seems like it. So, uh, Javi, just really quickly, because so, I want to kind of... Sorry, I'm, I'm butting in here and I shouldn't be. Uh, so, you're you got to try Spirit this year, right? Correct. And you've flown what? You've flown the B-Sucks. You've flown the Icon. You've flown the 3DG. Have you flown a V-Bar yet? I have a Silver Line. I have a Silver Line, which is an older V-Bar, but still a good V-Bar. Uh, if you want, I can send it to you so you can have some kind of... And I'll work with your Spectrum. I'll work with Spectrum Satellites. And you just have to get the software... And I'll let you use it. Actually, I'll give it to you, so you can try it out, so you can compare the two. Because I've never flown, I haven't flown anything other than V bar for the last three or four years. You know, you get you get itchy once in a while to want to try something. Uh, but I, I rather I, I rather you be the guinea pig. I rather you be the guinea pig than me. So I just so I mean that's fine. I mean you you can loan it to me and uh, I can try it out. It would be cool uh, to you know uh, to have a, a good grasp of you know a whole bunch of fibers units to really compare them so mm. that would be cool yeah well the, what, the thing would be cool is to actually try to understand what how the parameters kind of um 
are talk to each other, how similar they are to each other. You know, if if you if there's something like paddle sim or you know acceleration on the like find a way to get them all talk to each other, like understand what each other parameters do for each other flat barless units. You know, I still I have a friend who just converted over to V bar. He's been flying Icon for the last two or three years. And he's like, he tells me, oh man, the, the parameters are similar, but they're different. You know, they do similar things, but they're, they don't work the same way. They don't tune the same way. So try to find that baseline would be pretty cool. And you're just, you're just that good of a guy right there. They can probably take on the abuse to try to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would, I would love to, I, I wanted to do that at one point in time. Uh, I wanted to do like a flyberless uh, review. That'd be cool. Um, like, like put one different flyberless unit on each, on each helicopter basically, and try them all out. That would have been very cool. That was, that was an idea that we had um, way back when, but uh, it never materialized. I could never get, you know, a hold of enough flyberless units. But um, but you know, getting that that Beamer Silverline would be a good idea. You know, I'll 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 take it I'll take it on because the plan was to get three spirits, and that would be leave me with one three DG, so I can take that three DG out and uh, put that Beamer and you know try them all out. So yeah, the, the, the thing with the Silverline has a sep- sensor separate, so you have to you have to mount the the sensor flat, and and you can mount the control box wherever you want, you know, so you got to be careful. So I would think if you're going to try it on your 500 or your 570, it'll probably be ideal. But on your, like your 380 or something like that, you probably want to go with a single unit instead of a dual unit like the V-Bar Silver Line or the Blue Line. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'll send you some pictures of it and we'll discuss. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. So now that you dropped in, Frank, what do you say, uh, Paul, that we let Frank... Uh, Oh man, uh, so how's it? So how's it been for the last couple of weeks? Got a boatload of flying in, you know. Got some, um, got some sad news this uh, this past uh, couple of weekends. You know, it's been pretty. There's been some pretty uh, sad things happen. You know, the we lost two great members of the Florida crew, Heli Florida crew. This this past week, we lost. I just found out today that. Uh, we lost Robert Tate. He passed away and we lost, um, Ray Moray, AKA chicken wing. You know, it was, uh, other than that, other than dealing with those things. So let me try to, uh, joy it up now. Now that I've made it really sad. Um, I got some great flying, uh, two weekends ago, my dad came down and I, he went to the, he went to the field with me. He's done that maybe once or twice in the last three or four years. And he got a bunch of videos of me flying, you know. Um, uh, I saw some pretty good carnage. A couple of guys in my field put in their stuff pretty good. Uh, it's always funny when they do it, you know. Uh, I saw a big expensive jet uh, kind of drive itself into the ground, which I cr- cracks me up. Um, and what else? Um, got some trying to figure out if I'm going to go with the Kraken Nitro or just going to have a second electric Kraken. I think I'm going to be putting in the order here in the next couple of weeks. Electric Kraken, electric Kraken, electric Kraken. I already have, I already, I already have one of those. And that's the thing. And that's kind of, that's kind of where it boils. 
get the get the yellow one. Get the yellow one. Yeah, you know that I would probably if I if I were to get the nitro one, I would probably get the yellow one because it's lighter. And no, 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 no. Get the electric yellow one. Yeah. That way, that way you can compare both. You no, know, it's just, this this the yellow one's supposed to be lighter. Yeah, it's lighter. Supposed the, to be different. So you can compare now apples to apples <laughs> if you have two electric <laughs> ones. You cannot really do that with a nitro. Javi, it's I I run. It's a 12 s system, man. You 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 get plenty of power. I got, I have a strong Scorpion motor on it. You know, I get plenty of power. Like I'm not, it's not, a, I'm not out flying it. It's not underpowered by no means. So the weights to me means, it's it's uh, very little in with an electric. But but you can compare it. You can at least compare it that way. That, that, that's true. I can compare it. Uh, the here's the here's the annoying part, right? So you guys both know that I have two Goblin electric 700s. And actually three because I have the Kraken, but the only one I really fly is the Kraken electric, you know, and I have two black nitros, but I only fly number one. The number two just sits there. So I'm thinking that I'm going to have to figure something out because I got enough part. I have enough equipment, like extra equipment to put another airframe together. So I'm thinking of just concentrating this year with two Krakens, one electric and one nitro and just building and getting just having another 570 rated run. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what would be the reasoning behind getting another electric Kraken, though? Um, would it be for backup for... Uh, there wouldn't be. Uh, it, well, that's the thing. Back, I have I have backups of everything. Everything has a backup and everything. I could I could put one in and the next the next day have another one flying. Uh, if not that same day. Uh, so that's the only thing. It builds confidence because you, you know you have something else you can fly. Yeah, so this would be just, do you want that extra confidence or do you want that extra, you know, change in experience, right? Yeah, and that's the thing because the Kraken Electric, and it's, it is different as, it's significantly different than the, than my Black Thunder, which when the, I had the Black Thunder and the Black Nitro, they were pretty similar, just different power brand, but the helis felt similar in the air, you know? You know, I ran the, I ran both of them now on, now I'm running both of them 693s, but at the time, they were both running on the on the bigger blades, the seven thirteens, and it felt very similar. You know, I ran the electric a little at lower head speed, so it felt kind of like a nitro, but not exactly. But they flew similar. So when I got started flying the Kraken, the Kraken flies a little bit different than the than the Thunder does. So it's um, when you switch off, like after a day of flying the, the Kraken, you go fly the nitro. It takes a little while to get kind of comfortable with it. So I'm figuring. Both airframes are very similar. The only thing that's different is the power band. I can jump back and forth with them pretty sim- uh, pretty effortlessly. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think you can go wrong with that decision okay. either so, way. So that's that's my thinking. But two electric Krakens would be cool too. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, you've 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 heard about Nick's. Uh, yeah, and and you've heard about Nick's this guy called Nick Maxwell. Yeah, of right? course. That uh, you know, he he recommends. Uh, to have you know two of the same to really progress, so you know I would I would listen to a guy like that. Well, I listened to Ron who has like six of the same, so you know, so he just says just keep just keep getting. If something goes wrong, you can always you can always swap out, you know, and you know you get better at building when you build more of them. You know his his logic and reason. You have to love it. Well, and you really lose all fear of crashing when you have five backups ready to go. <laughs> five ready to go, seven hundred <laughs> nitros ready ready to go. Oh man, and, and upset that you don't have a six one, and upset that you don't have a six one. So that's what next month's paychecks were, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. But yeah, other than that, guys, it's been a sad but 
good um good in a hobby but bad in as far as friends but everything other than that it's been it's been my two weeks yeah sorry to hear about that frank um yeah they were both really good guys so uh, were these guys that you um that you flew with often or were they just acquaintances via the hangout uh they were members of the torches club in orlando right like if you look up if you search uh the bobby watts videos from um what is it smack talk you see the one on how to crashing and uh chicken wing literally crashes helicopter into his car so one of the funniest videos you ever will see with hobby related and you know he was just that sounds like something we need to add to the show notes dude just bigger than <laughs> this guy i i you know i don't want to like everybody's done talking about it you know and everything like that. but this guy's bigger he's just bigger than life dude i remember one of the events that i went up to orlando you know and I, I put in my, my N7, you know, at the time I was, I wasn't flying for SAB. So don't get, I don't want to get in trouble guys. So I was, I wasn't on a team and I had an N7 and I put it in and my auto rotation gear got messed up and I'm walking back a little sad and, you know, this, excuse my language. And you hear check was the fuck is wrong with you? You know, just genuine bigger than world kind of guy. I was like, Oh man, I put it in. He's like, Oh, what is it? And he kind of, takes the helicopter from me and starts like looking at it. It's like, all right, all right, I'll be back. And then he goes, he leaves the field, leaves his shit there and go gets, goes to his house, get his parts for his N7 and brings it back and then refused to let me work on it. He wanted to fix it for me so I can go back out there and fly. So it's just, it's a really cool memory. And, uh, and with Robert Tate, you know, every year I would go up to OHB in this, in the spring bash, he have a trailer and, you know, I drive a sedan he always let me put his stuff on my tra- all my stuff in his trailer. He's like, he's like Frank, I think I get this. I have I got this trailer, so you can put your stuff when you come down here, man. Just just really kind people, and they're gonna be missed a lot. So yeah, but other than that, everything else is good. All right. So how do you follow? How do you follow up to that, Paul? I I I don't. Uh, <laughs> I know I had a pretty okay week by comparison. Um, <laughs> Let's say last couple of weeks. Um, well, maybe I I do have some s- small bit of sad news. I for the first time uh, put my Gowie into the ground. Um, it was spectacular, and um, I think I put it in at full speed. There's not a whole lot that's really salvageable. Nice. Uh, I haven't really done anything with it. I, I was out flying. I was out flying this weekend, and um, I was just doing some really really big loops, and I uh, I think I. Uh, pounded the collective a little bit too hard on the upswing and um, it didn't really respond and kind of just went straight into the ground at about 45 miles an hour. So I'm, uh, it was fun while it lasted. I think I only got like 20 flights on that, on that helicopter and it's, it's basically a, that's a rekit. So that was the way I spent my Sunday, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, so Michael, would you like to um, give us an update on what you've been what you've been doing, or we can go straight into uh, into the main segment and just talk about HeliX? Uh, well, um, it's easy for me what I have been doing the last weeks. Uh, we are heavily on the development of version 9 of HeliX. And that's uh, as soon as the weather gets bad, uh, yeah, I'm working on this. And some flying, of course, there we have here in Germany also winter, but some nice days. And yeah, 
than awesome. Amazon Flying. Well, how, um, I guess let's get, just get into, uh, you know, a little bit more about yourself. Um, we're obviously very interested in your product, but would definitely like to hear more about, you know, how you came to be in a position where you wanted to develop this product in the first place. So like, how long have you been in the hobby? Uh, what was it that got you interested uh, in flying? What kind of stuff do you fly? And then more importantly, uh, back to the main topic, what was it that was the catalyst that drove you to create um, a simulator? <laughs> That's a lot of questions, but you know, <laughs> we can we can uh, we can take them one at a time. Okay, so one minute questions, and let's see how long the answer gets. Uh, yeah, so I got into the flying perhaps fifteen years ago. Uh, that was a time uh, when I saw a, a Graupner coaxial helicopter uh, from a friend, so these yellow ones. And once I saw it, I thought, oh, I must I must have one and that's how it came I, I came into the hobby uh, and then i think i it was more or less the usual way so i get a fixed pitch helicopter called piccolo then i'm not sure if it was popular in, in the states uh, and then t-rex 550 600 all of these helicopters of course with pedals uh, Perhaps uh, for the <laughs> younger listeners, I'm not sure if you know what pedals are. <laughs> uh, I only had one. I only had one paddle helicopter. It was a T Rex 450. Okay. Uh, yes. I got rid of those as fast as I could. <laughs> uh, yeah, and now I'm more or less flying the Logo 600. Oh, nice! Very nice. Do you have any um, any I guess professional relationships with any of the brands that are presented in your simulator? Well. So, so my main profession is I'm a mathematician. So I'm working as a mathematician. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Probably makes it a little bit easier to develop a flight simulator when you're a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's what I do the whole day uh, in, in other products and other things. And yes, of course, uh, this is the, the basic of the simulator at the end. Are you um, an academic or do you work for a um, corporation? Yes, in a mathematics institute I'm working. Oh, wow. Okay. So is this the, um, I know, I guess we're kind of skipping over any more of, any more of your, your background in history, if we can go straight straight into the into the product. But is, um, is this the first take that you've had on developing something like this? Or have you built other type, you know, simulation engines or other simulators before? So what I do in, in mathematics is in, in principle, we try to, to, to simulate, make simulation tools or use simulation tools for uh, typically uh, engineering processes. So, and this is more or less the same. So we, we, we come from, from the equations, from typically partially differential equations and try to solve them. And there are different methods. So it's not unusual. What's really new for me is the real-time thing. So, so normally when you do calculations, you have time. So you make, you build up a model and then it can run for, for hours, perhaps just for one result. And, and for the simulator, of course, it has to be done in real time. So are you making a lot of approximations on the calculations in order to get it to run that fast? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I did um, uh, finite element and um, CFD stuff back when I was working as an architect. And yeah, you, you know, you, you set up your model and you let it run for 12 hours and it, it might approach something that looks like real life. 
Yeah, so that's exactly your experience in this finite elements or computational flight dynamics. Uh, this is exactly what I do. Interesting. Um, do you work on any softwares that um, are, I guess, commercially available for engineering or architecture firms? No. Ah. So we <laughs> typically make uh, uh, only uh, simulations for one customer. So it's it's not a software where you uh, sell uh, hundreds or thousands. No. Oh, okay. So completely custom. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I used to use um, Open Foam as the CFD tool. Oh, you can come and work with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's been a while, but um, that was a that was a fun one. Yeah. So we were we were plugging Open Foam into um, into architectural uh, simulations. The problem is that you know when you scale something up and a simulation to the size of a building, the results get just they get crazy. You know that's not it doesn't even approach come close to approaching reality because we're not studying fluids operating on like a soda can. You know it's trying to like look at wind flow over a whole building. It's just not it's not really possible at that scale. Um, yeah, I think these are really huge problems, and uh, you have to to run them if they work for 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 hours or days perhaps. Yeah. In, in this. Well, cool, man. That, that is that is fascinating. Um, so, what actually prompted you to to create this? So, you you've got the background, you've got the interest in helicopters. I'm assuming came first. Um, and how long was it before you were flying uh, when you decided that there wasn't any good options that you could buy? And, and you know, damn it, I'm going to make my own. Uh, of course, this is not the reason. There are several simulators out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I was sorry. I was I was being sarcastic. <laughs> uh. I, it's difficult to say. So, perhaps in the, in the in the first year, I started to think about simulating these things. Um, yeah, that's it's my profession somehow. And when you when I, when I see something, I'm, I'm thinking, how does this work? And and so yeah, the idea comes. Okay. And that yeah, that I'm sorry. That is just that just blows me away. You know, like the uh, there's been many times where. I feel like the products that I have at hand don't really do the job, but very rarely do I go and say, I'm going to create one of the best alternatives myself. Uh, that's, that's really, really neat. Of course, I, I do not do it alone. There are many friends with help, also more experienced pilots than me and, and help testing this and we are discussing and, and so on. So this is not just me who does it. Okay, I, I do the programming, but the discussion and the learning this is, is a, a group of friends at the end. When you say that you do the programming, are, are you literally the only one actually writing code for this? Yeah, so the product is now 12 years. And over the 12 years, I had uh, two guys help me uh, in part-time. That, that is, that is am very ambitious. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so at the, at the beginning... Uh, I was kind of naive, perhaps, and I thought, ah, this cannot be so difficult to make it run. But but at the end, I recognized uh, that the aerodynamics of helicopters is so complicated that it's really a challenge to make a good simulation for this. Yeah, and um, oh, okay, I was, I was trying to get a. I, I don't want to delve too deeply into the hyper technical stuff, but I, I am. Really curious. Where do you where do you start when you're trying to build something like this? Were you working off of a game engine? Were you working off of a completely, you know, bare bones? You build it from the ground up. You start. Did you like program your own geometric classes? Like how how did you even get started in this? <laughs> like what's the what's the starting point? 
so so in principle you have several challenges perhaps the one is the graphics uh, for, for the graphics there are nowadays engines available which you can use so the one i use is called jmonkey engine uh, and and what you get there is the possibility to load models you have the scenes uh make the shadows the lighting and so on so so this oh, okay. is more or less given so it's java it's it's a java, java program yeah i got gotcha. you okay um so this is the one thing what you also can have partly are engines for the dynamic calculations um uh, and this is what i do not use so you can use them in my opinion for for cars and so on but the the aerodynamics is so complicated that you cannot get something from scratch you, you cannot buy this or get this some somewhere which has really the quality you need and and so so you, uh, so you had to write it from the ground up then yeah yeah did you have any um any friends in uh, aerospace engineering to kind of help you along on this one or did you really just figure it out on your own <laughs> i have some friends there but in in principle they cannot help oh, wow. uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh man that's crazy <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> No, Sorry, but, I'm, just, I'm just I'm just nerding out over here. This is this is really cool. Yeah, but what you see, uh, for example, there are many books around for aerodynamics, of course, and and what you see, what what you can get there is aerodynamics for planes, and even there are books around for aerodynamics for helicopters, uh, but these books typically solve problems or answer problems, uh, which you have. For the full-size uh, planes or helicopters, uh, uh, so they are calculating, so to say, a stationary setting, so they can answer you how much power does my engine need uh, to to hover, or how what is the fastest speed I can get with a helicopter, and so on. And and when you compare what we do with the with the model helicopters and the uh, and then and the full-scale helicopters. This is completely different. So, so what we have here, a lot of dynamics, pitch changes, and so on and so on. And this is nothing what you can calculate, or what you can really describe, or what you can get in formulas. Hmm. So, yeah, I would imagine the weight of the of the model makes a, a big difference in how the the calculations are responding. Yeah, it's it's not only the weight; uh, it's somehow the dynamics. So, so when you see what makes a helicopter fly in different ways, it's the interaction perhaps with the blades and, and the air around. And uh, what you have there is really a dynamic setting. So you have a pitch changes every revolution because of the cyclic input. Uh, and this is something you do not have typically uh, in, in a full-scale helicopter. And and this makes the things really complicated. You know, I, I am curious. I am curious here. Uh, have you ever thought about building a flybarless system? Because it seems like you already have all the calculations that you would need to make a really good flybarless system, um, without having to build the graphics and the uh, and the video component of it. Uh, in principle, I did build a flybar system for the for the, for the simulator, uh, uh, but so so I know the developer of of the Viva system of Mikado, for example, and. 
we are discussing a lot how this works. And, and he helped me, uh, so to say, to mimic what he does. And, and this is a really complicated thing. You, you cannot believe it. And this is perhaps also what makes the different flyballess systems different. Uh, so they have to, to deal with all the, the sensors and then they have many algorithms inside which are really special and which makes this flybar systems also uh, unique at the end. And this is not something what I have to do in the simulator. For example, Uli from the, from the VBAR system of Mikado told me he has to make a lot of effort to understand or to recognize if the helicopter is flying fast or not. And, uh, of course, in the simulator, this is something I know. Okay, so in, in the real world, you have to, have to put a lot of efforts to recognize such things, which at the other side is easy for me. Okay, so no, I, I have uh, uh, not really interested. I'm not interested to make uh, an old flyby system. <laughs> what is, um, <clears throat> I guess, what is your favorite part? of you know looking back on the project uh where it is now where it came from uh what was what was the part that made you i guess the most proud of your accomplishment like what is your favorite i guess feature or um little bit of heliax i think it's the aerodynamics of the main rotor uh, and this is really something which is very complicated if you for example uh, assume you are flying a TikTok. Uh, and what you do at the left or right hand side, you do a pitch change. And aerodynamically, what happens is that the air around the helicopter is really accelerated in the other direction. And, and this is the, the time when really many things happen at the plates. And to put such things in the simulator is really a fascinating thing. So, so what I have learned, it's not enough to simulate the helicopter, but we are simulating also the air around the helicopter. And, and this is really a crucial thing uh, to make it as realistic as possible. That's interesting. Um, so uh, this kind of goes along that line of thinking. You know, you mentioned earlier that in order to make it perform in real time, you have to kind of take some shortcuts because obviously uh, fully realistic mm -hmm. simulations take a lot more cal uh, calculation. I'm, I'm wondering, as you know, your hardware increases, is there any desire to increase the level of calculations to make it more closer to reality? Or, or do you feel like you've hit an optimal balance between the accuracy of the calculations and the speed at which it can respond? Oh, this is something which is developing. Uh, as you perhaps know, Helix is now 12 years old. And in these 12 years, many things happened uh, to the development of computer hardware. So at the, at the beginning, we really had to be careful how much we want to calculate. And now this is not an issue anymore. So every computer is fast enough to do more calculations. And, and for example, in, in the version 9, which is coming out, we increased the accuracy uh, of, of the rotor calculations. Uh, We're using now, I think, 10 times more points to calculate the flow around uh, the main rotor. And this is 
something which is now possible because of the faster computers. Are you taking advantage of GPUs at all for any of those calculations, or are they all CPU driven? Uh, so for the calculations of the physics, this is not on the GPU, GPU, uh, but of course the graphics is completely on the GPU. Well, I, I, um, I didn't know if you were using anything that would allow you to tap into that for the simulation side of things. Um, I used, for daylight simulation, um, there's something called Accelerad, which allows you to tap into the CUDA cores of an NVIDIA graphics card. So you can use, you know, they're, they're tiny processors, but there's thousands of them. Yeah. And you can kind of parallelize that out. I didn't know if you guys are looking at that. Um, is I've actually never really looked at what the CPU usage is of while I'm using it. Um, does it take advantage of uh, as many cores as you can throw at it, or does it kind of just lock it down to just a couple or one? So, so the main physics calculations are doing only on one core, so to say. And of course, the program has to run on, on different hardware. Some can use CUDA, some not, and so on. So one has to be careful about this to make it too sophisticated to run at every machine. Have you ever tried making a, um, maybe not as a game, but just in order to see how accurate you could get the uh, the physics of the blade and of the airflow and just run something that maybe might take a, a week or two or a couple days to actually fully calculate? I do such calculations for improving HeliX, for example. So as you perhaps know, we are supporting planes now for a year and for the aerodynamics of, of the uh, of the profiles of, of the wings, for example, I did a lot of offline calculations to, to find this out. Because also when you're looking for wind channel data, it's it's the same as, as for uh, as for helicopters. What you can get are uh, wind channel data for angle of attacks up to uh, 10 or 20 degrees. But when you really do a 3D flying with a plane, you're also in situation what typically is not measured at the universities because nobody is interested. Can you talk to us about some of the challenges that that you uh, dealt with as you were uh, developing your software? Other than other than the real time, like how did you? When did you feel that you were close enough to the reality? How did you, how did you how did you test the the real world compared to what was happening in the sim? Yeah. So as you know, uh, the, the helicopter community is at the end a small community and one knows each other. And yes, I'm in contact with, with the vendors and, and some of them really help, some have no time. And yeah, at the end, often we get some models, uh, CAD models, for example, which we can use to make our own model. Or sometimes they say, ah, this guy here, our, our best pilot, talk to him and he will help to tune the flight parameters, for example. Speaking of the um, the CAD models, I was curious about what determinations, or I guess what, um, how, did a, how, do any, how does any particular model end up as a model in HeliX? Do you talk to the manufacturers? Do you guys have people that model the model the helicopters yourselves or does each model have to be um, specifically sanctioned by the company and then only use their provided CAD files? Uh, so first of all, this is something I do not alone. There are many friends uh, doing models and what you have when you have a CAD model, for example, um, this is something which you need for the construction or for the 3D printing and so on of 
Um, but what we need is a graphical model. And this graphical model at the end consists out of small triangles. And this has to be done in a special software. So there are commercial softwares around like, like Cinema 3D. And what we mainly use is Blender, uh, which is a great open source product. Nice. I've never used Blender before, but I know it's really popular because it doesn't cost uh, any money. <laughs> yeah, it has really, really great features and it can much more what we really need because in principle, we need only the construction process, putting the textures on the model, define some colors. Yeah, and that's it. I think Frank and I are 3ds Max guys. Actually, Maya in my book. You're in my oh, wow. uh, look at you, Mister. I've got all the fold-out menus I can I can ever want. <laughs> okay, so, so Frank, you are booked to make all the the goblins then. The <laughs> well, just like Paul, even though he ran away, I'm an, I'm also an architect. So I spent I spent lots and lots of hours in front of a computer doing 3D models. I'm surprised you went with Maya though, because it's it's so overkill for architecture. <laughs> Like I like my, it's just insanely complicated for what it does for what we needed to do. Well, I had um in school I had a I had a visiting professor from SciArc. I was about to say yeah, SciArc. Yeah, they yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and they pushed it down our face. So, but I tell you what, man, SketchUp does a great job if you just got to model something fast. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting off track, but uh, <laughs> all, always, always, we always get get sidetracked with the architecture thing, guys. I know, I know. Sorry, so, my wife just wants to talk about boring architecture stuff. Frank talks about interesting architecture stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not apologizing. <laughs> okay, so uh, one, one, one more, um, one more question, um, I guess, for you, Michael. Um, of of all the models that you have on on Helix. Um, you know, there's different, um, you know, as you said, different, different people that have helped you to model each one, probably some pro pilots that have helped you, uh, probably some, um, you know, you've get, you've gotten, uh, models from, from someone who, which model do you think would be like the, the one that you're happiest with, or that you think that you've, you know, that overall has been put the most work in and that you would believe is uh, like the most accurate one, so to speak? Oh, it's a difficult question uh, because I'm now completely inside the forthcoming version nine. And, and what we did, uh, we do there is really put much effort in the aerodynamics and we will make each model new uh, because there are a lot of changes in the, in the physics engine and we have to do it to make it really real. And, and therefore this is hard to say what we just do is we start with a 700 size, uh, work hard on them and transfer then this data on the others. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's something to, to look more in the future. And, uh, yeah, you will see. <laughs> okay okay good 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 now make sure that you get that goblin 700 good <laughs> <laughs> uh, currently I'm, I'm working with a guy together daniel wiedenmann from a haley school and he's a pro in auto rotations and i think in the last month we, we worked hundreds of hours to improve the auto rotations behavior and, and you will see this will really work great then Awesome. 
that'll be great. He, what he does currently, he does online trainings with his customers and he teaches them auto rotations now on the sim in an online session. And I think this is really great. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Is the, um, <clears throat> I would say how, uh, how popular is the RC hobby in Germany? Would you say is it because you know we we get the incent we get the impression from the United States that it is on a whole more popular than it is in the United States relative to I guess the population size. Um, is that something that you feel is accurate, or do you think it's still? It may, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that some there's so many great you know um, companies that are based in Germany that support the hobby. It makes me kind of feel that way. I'm, I'm curious as to your take about the size of the heli community in your area relative to say the rest of the world. Oh, this is really difficult to say, f uh, to answer for me. Perhaps what I feel, so I'm in the hobby now for 15 years or so. And there was really a bump 10 years ago or seven years ago where it was really popular. And what I feel now is that uh, people are more switching to quadrocopters or so on. So that's really strange. So when I'm flying on my field, then the children came and say, oh, great. And then they ask, oh, do you also have a drone? So, so they see now the 600 size helicopter, which of course we know is much, much greater than any drone you can have. <laughs> But what they ask is really, oh, do you also have a drone? Yeah. That's awesome. But you also have some crap. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Okay. I was hoping that Germany was still the mecca of RC heli enthusiasm, but um, it seems like... For example, in Friedrichshafen, there is also um, uh, every year an exhibition. And, and there, at least, in, in this great exhibition, the helicopter parts are, are shrinking, in, in, as I see it. Um, the exhibition, are you speaking of Rotor Live? Uh, no, this is, uh, for example, Modellbau Messe, where you really have, have all the hobby from ships to, to, to cars and so on, and, and, and Lego and plastic things and all kinds of, of, of games and, and hobby stuff. And there the, the flying part is shrinking, and in particular also uh, the helicopter part. But, but I'm not sure if this is because it's so expensive for the vendors. I do not know. But for Rotor Live, for example, I think this is really a great, a great event with a lot of people. Yeah. Do you have a booth at Rotor Live at all? Uh, yes, I have one. Cool. And, and this year we also have a Helix users meeting. So everybody is invited where we can meet and uh, talk about news, a little bit support. And you get insight in, in in the news of version nine and so on. It's on Saturday. Yeah, when um, that's coming up soon, right? It's in the spring. Yeah. It's it's in the, the second week of, of March. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that's on my bucket list. One of these days, I will uh, I will make it out there. Mainly because I'm up for any reason, any excuse to go visit Germany again. Uh, but also, you know, combining with helicopters, you can go, don't think you can go wrong there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so so you personally come to. So the rotor life i've i've wanted to i've i've watched all of the videos that uh, it seems like every year someone puts out a comprehensive video of you know a walkthrough of all the booths and then they've got the people on the flight lines um it seems like a, a really fun time 
I'm not sure what city it's in, though. It's it's, it's in Baden-Baden. Baden-Baden. I do not it, know where that in is. In the southwestern part of Germany. I don't think it would be too difficult to convince my family to go to Germany again, though. So, might be able to make a detour. Nice, near Stuttgart. Okay, cool. All right, so let's see. Where were we? Um, Javier, was uh, was that the end? Did you have any more questions that you wanted to ask along those lines? or? Um, no, I think that we can move on from, okay. from what we have. Yeah. Um, so I, th I see something on here about um, the stick mover and VR. Did you want to go over those, Javier? Yes. Um, well, I wanted to uh, uh, first uh, go, and I think that this will be a, a little bit of an extensive topic, but... Um, but I would like to to talk a little bit about um, training in the in the simulator. You know, um, you know that the the idea, at least the way that I see it, and probably you see it that way as well. You know, uh, I see the the simulator as a tool. Um, many people see it kind of like a video game, uh, but I think that to me. Um, I've always related, uh, you know, and, and we've talked about this uh, on the show before. I kind of uh, relate, uh, you know, learning how to fly helicopters and learning how to play a musical instrument. You need to have time, you need to have dedication, and you ha you need to have a method. It's not just like, you know, pick something up and go and play, right? That's what drones are for. So um, so helicopters are more involved. Um, they, they, they take time, they take dedication. So... To me, the simulator is an excellent tool to do this because you don't need to crash, you know, $1,000 machines. Um, you don't need to go through all the setup again. Um, you, you, you just need to, you know, concentrate on getting that muscle memory, what we call the muscle memory, to, uh, to learn how to do the maneuvers and to make sure that your fingers are doing, are, are doing the right things and coordinating, you know, with your brain. So... Um, um, I know that uh, Helix is a um, uh, a software that is uh, recommended uh, actually on a, on a pretty big thread on Helifreak uh, called "From uh, Tailing to Funnels in Six Months" um, because it, because you know it has very good training tools and I I cannot tell you Michael uh, how many times I crashed and I despaired <laughs> um, at that at that uh, Piro hover training. Where if you go outside the, the circle, it crashes. You you don't know how many times I I, I got mad at that. I almost you know throwing the the, the remote <laughs> in, slamming into into the ground because it was so frustrating. Uh, but after a while, you know you 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 get to uh, you you net you get to that point where you start start actually progressing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. You know, what's your take on it? On you know uh, how do you envision people using your simulator as a tool or, you know, with, with some kind of method or with some kind of tools, you know, you have a bunch of tools, uh, you know, feel free to mention all the tools and all the aids that you have on Helix to help people, you know, learn how to fly. Okay. I think this is a really a difficult question. Uh, perhaps very should start is to, to understand that different people learn in different ways. Uh, so assume uh, that the small kids which learn in a half a year flying uh, a helicopter and do things uh, which are beyond what I can do, uh, they obviously learn differently 
in a different way uh, than the older guys do it. And um, this is perhaps also the, di the difference between what you call a muscle memory and perhaps the understanding. So I have the feeling uh, that the, the kids just do it. And we, for us, it's, it's a harder way to, to learn it. And perhaps also there are different ways how you can use a simulator. One way is that you really try to mimic what is happening in reality. When I was a beginner, I typically crashed in the following situation. I tried to hover and hover, and then the heli, the distance to the heli increases. You don't think about the distance, and then it's too far away that you do not recognize what is the exact orientation, and then you crash. So this was a typically crashing in my beginner time. And this is what you can mimic in the simulator uh, when you say, I want the simulator to be as in the, in, the, in the view as normally. And that means you do not use a zooming function. So you have uh, really to understand that the when the helicopter is far away, you cannot see it accurately anymore. So this is one way you can use the simulator. The other way is that you really use the features of the helicopter to understand what's going on. That is, for example, when you try to learn auto rotations, you can zoom in, you can uh, go to 300 meters and take your time uh, to, to, to try to with a pitch and, and nick and so on and see what's happening with the revolution per time at the main rotor. So you can use it as an analytic tool. So I think these are the, the two main directions where you can go and how you can use the different features a simulator has. And yeah, as you told, perhaps with, with musical instruments or anything you learn. So I tell my students, when you want to learn, it has to hurt you. So as long as it's only fun, you do not really learn something. Yeah, and therefore you have the to have the dedication. You may have to have a plan. So you just do not switch on the, the simulator and, and fly. But you have to say, to say, okay, today I want to learn the first half of a pyroflip. What is uh, I have to do then? And then you really have to do it. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 great. Uh, now, Michael, I have to I have to ask one one thing, and I had and I had it written down. How did you come up with that promenade training? I I also cannot tell you. You know how dizzy I I I I went, and uh, you know how difficult it was. But once you know I got the hang of it, it was amazing training for for you know for orientation training. And I don't know if you guys have you, uh, Frank and Paul, have you ever you know experienced that or or know about that that promenade training on Helix? Yes, I suck at it, but. <laughs> No, it's it's a fantastic tool. Um, again, just to, to reiterate what uh, Javier has been saying, the training tools on Helix are the reason that I have stayed exclusively with this software for the last, yeah, I guess, three years now. Um, it is just it's phenomenal all the ways that you've got in there that will just you know b drill it into you. Um, your reaction times, your speed, your speeds, you know, everything gets everything gets better by just kind of 
focusing on um, those little things that you need to kind of do without thinking. And I feel like Heliax does the best in still making that training um, fun and enjoyable versus a drudgery and a chore. So yeah, the uh, the promenade training is really, really fun. I mean, I, I was terrible at it for a really long time and I'm actually still not all that great at it, but <laughs> I've gotten better. <laughs> Yeah, it it is hard, Michael. How how did you come up with that? I mean that that is a fantastic idea, but that that you know I cannot I can't imagine how you came up with that in the first place. Well, I, I, like, how can we endlessly frustrate the user? It's 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 a, it's a long time ago. Perhaps a, a friend had this idea. It's it's a great, you have to think about what can I do to 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 help people to train different features. And one thing in helicopters is the orientation you have to be able to, to fly the helicopter in every orientation. Yeah. And one is you can just hover and, and rotate the helicopter or you rotate yourself. And that's what's done in the promenade training. I'm not sure. Yeah. Perhaps the idea is not so great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. It, it's fun. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and I, and I, you know, if, if any of our listeners don't, don't know what we're talking about, basically these, this promenade training uh, basically leaves the helicopter, uh, you know, at a certain point, and uh, the vantage point, which is, you know, you, the one that's looking at the helicopter, is kind of like walking around, always looking at the helicopter and getting in and out of it. Um, so imagine you're trying to hover your helicopter while you're walking around it. Uh, that's basically the promenade. It's it is really challenging, and it's it's by far I think the best the best training I've ever experienced for orientation training. If you can make it through thirty seconds of that, you know you have your orientations drilled down. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to download it now. So, um, uh, Michael, do you have any more plans for any for you know adding any support for any other tools? Like lately, uh, you know, there's been like two. Uh, features, you know, that that simulators kind of like um, uh, every, everyone kind of like wants to have kind of like the, when helicopters, like when flyerless units starting having rescue and everyone wanted to kind of have rescue, you know, kind of like this um, on the simulators, you know, everyone wants to kind of start going to VR and this new stick mover tool also get, uh, you know, some sort of support for it. Is that something that you have uh, planned uh, to support eventually? Uh, yes, and it is supported already partly. Uh, so the stick mover is supported from the last version. So you can plug it in and make videos, uh, and you can you can feel then uh, the stick moves by your own. Uh, this is already supported. Uh, what we have in in version nine in you are so-called ghost sticks. That is when you fly together or with a video, you can see at the display your own stick uh, position and also the stick position of another guy or for the video helicopter. So you can compare visually uh, the position of the sticks. And this VR stuff where you have uh, the, the glasses or VR thing before your eyes, this is planned but not yet uh, made and here I'm just waiting for the monkey engine to, to support this so so as soon as if they have it I, I can put it in but it does not make sense uh, to work too hard on this to do it on myself 
so I'm just waiting for the for the graphics library to support it. Have you um, had any consideration of? I know I know you've spent a lot of time developing in the Monkey Engine, but have you spent any uh, time thinking about moving to a, a different a different game engine, like a like Unity or Unreal? Uh, in fact, the JMonkey engine is the third engine we have. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, so first we start with Java 3D, and then we move to the XIT 3D engine, and then we found out that this is, this is an open source engine also, but it's not so much supported than the JMonkey engine. And then I think in version 5 or so, we moved then to this. And yeah, so... What I am interested in is to use more open source tools than this commercially ones. Right, and then I can I can tell that by the very fact that you guys support uh, Linux, <laughs> that you have a download yeah. available for Linux, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. So for example, we have this Linux thing, the OS X thing, and so on. And at the end, if you have too much commercial libraries, you are you cannot change anything if there is a bug. So you have to, to wait for the other guys to fix it. And the other thing, you're really uh, dependent on them. And when they say, we do not support OS X anymore, then that's the end, for example. And therefore, I try to, to use as much open source tools as, as possible. Definitely, definitely feel you on that one. Unfortunately, in, in the architectural world, a lot of times you're, you're locked into Windows just because of Autodesk's complete rule on the universe. But... Um, it's it's nice when you can when you can find things that are completely open source and maintained. I know a lot of the simulation stuff that I used was open source, and it was really cool to be able to just you know email the developer, and a couple of weeks later, there's the feature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Perhaps also the reason why uh, the graphics cannot use the latest features. Then, so so we support Windows, uh, OS X, Linux, and we also have the. Uh, the, the version 4.1 really works on the old power PC. Which is crazy. Uh, also <laughs> really, really on, on old hardware. And, and we want, want to offer this also to the customers. And yeah. therefore, we cannot use the newest features which you, all, all, which you uh, only have with DirectX version X.Y. Uh, yeah. Are you guys OpenGL? Yeah, it's based on OpenGL. Yeah. Man, that's yeah, fascinating. It is. It is. It is. It, it's. It's a huge endeavor, and it's. And it's awesome to hear. You know all the um, behind the scenes of it. Yeah. Um, really cool. How? Uh, I mean, I would imagine this is more of a labor labor of love than um, an economic. I guess you're not, like economically driving factors. I mean, you're you're you are doing this more. Is this is this is not your close to being your full time job, right? Right. This is not my full time job. It's 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 a kind of hobby. Well, that makes it even that makes it even more special to us then, um, because uh, you know I, I know that uh, there's quite a few software developers that I have worked with that wanted to create tools on their own, but um, immediately abandoned it once they've realized that there wasn't enough of a financial incentive to do it. So the fact that you're doing this uh, pretty much just as a hobby and then making it available for us for a very reasonable cost, considering the amount of personal hours and development that you put into it. Uh, is fantastic, and uh, thanks. I know all th from all three of us. Thank you very much because this program is awesome. Um, I I did have a couple more questions. Um, 
one, how, how much, I guess, interaction do you have with the other developers of similar softwares? Is it is there like a, a camaraderie of simulation developers or do you guys kind of keep at arm's length? Or do you guys just all hate accuracy like we do? <laughs> and if that is a touchy subject, we can absolutely not talk about it and edit it out later. <laughs> yeah. So I, I met the developers of Aerofly some years ago uh, and we talked a little bit uh, together but with the other simulators, I have no contact with, with the guys. I know sometimes it's interesting to go to, you know, like architectural conferences and you look at everybody like, well, what are you doing? It's like, well, what are you doing? You're like, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you either. <laughs> you know, like that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but when you look at, at professional conferences, there are some, but these are for really uh, simulators for great planes, for full-size planes. Yeah. There's a lot of effort and, and then you could, uh, then you have this, and these are simulators yeah, where 20 people work uh, work on, on one module or so. So this is another class. This uh, has been very, very enlightening. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And, and again, thank you so much for getting up so early or staying up so late. Which I, I don't know which one it is um, <laughs> for, for joining us. Uh, did you guys have any other questions, Frank, Javier? Um, well, I have... I have um... One, um, one, one, uh, well, two, two questions, if you will allow me. Um, one, uh, that we also, we also kind of had in the notes. Um, I think that we, that we didn't talk about multiplayer. Um, is that, is that a feature? I mean, you talked about, uh, you know, uh, people training other people, uh, through, through the internet, which, which really sounds awesome. You know, what, what really is the, the support or, you know, the, uh, the engine and the amount of people that are actually using, you know, the multiplayer features of uh, Helix. Yeah, not so. There are not so many. I guess perhaps thirty or forty people. So you see it and the nicknames. And once uh, you are in, and I'm very often in these online sessions, uh, you know them at least uh, with their nicknames. And yeah, some handful of people, perhaps thirty or so. So it's a feature, obviously, which is not so asked for. Okay, yeah, I do. I, I thought it, many more people would use it, but but it's not so. Yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I've I've heard of of people, you know, getting together on on simulators and and saying, oh, it's kind of like a fun fly that you know, uh, we we can we can go there and fly together. And um, I don't know if you if you knew, but there was actually a uh, a uh, video podcast, I guess you could call it. Um, where they basically were talking in the podcast and they were simming at the same time. Um, so it, it, you know, I think that that that, that it is the the there is some some want to do it, but uh, but yeah, every time I pop up and it's not just Helix. Every time that I pop into any uh, into any simulator, you know, I would expect to see at least one or two people. But yeah, usually I don't I don't see that and. Uh, that's weird um, that 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 happens. I think, guys, that we should get together for for you know um, for a Helix multiplayer session. What do you guys think? I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I'll be down. I'm always down for some summer. Yeah, so you're very welcome. Perhaps it's also an issue of the time zone. So so in my what I observe is that it's more popular in Europe. I would imagine it'd be popular in cold climates. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Javier. <laughs> yeah, during winter, there's a, there's a huge spike of people there. <laughs> right. 
It's like, I need my fix, but I can't go outside because I'm snowed in. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, Michael, uh, so um, I have one more question for you. So you, we've already talked about version nine that's coming up. That's what you're working on. And we've talked a little bit on, you know, on the features that you want to talk. But we have kind of like a tradition here on the podcast when we have a guest um, to tell us something. Uh, and we call these, you heard it here first. So tell us something that, you know, you you were thinking about to put us, say, like a new feature in HeliX that not a lot of people know about or that it's close to being released, but that, you know, you haven't really put it out on the open. Something that uh, you can, you can, we can say that, you know, uh, our listeners to this podcast heard it here first. Cool. Uh, so as uh, perhaps I'm not sure if everybody who is interested knows it, that we have these users meetings, a user meeting in Baden-Baden, and I really look forward to it and hope to, to, to meet many of, of the users and yeah the other thing yeah there are very many new features i'm not sure if it's the time to uh, to enumerate them now uh, so for me uh, the version 9 is really the one where we have the most changes from one version to other and most of the changes really are internal and go to the physics so we are now in, in the second year of, of having planes. And now these two things, planes and helicopters, grow together. So, so I put the advantages of, of, of the plane engine and those of, of the helicopter engines and put them together and really put much effort to tune, to tweak then the parameters to make it as real as possible. And I'm, I am definitely looking forward to, to seeing that. Uh, do you guys have, are, are you targeting a certain um, release date or is it just going to be one of those when it's done, it's done kind of things? Uh, yes, when it's done, it's done. But <laughs> <laughs> Is it done or is it done, done? <laughs> uh, so I'm looking to, to March. So we are now in the, in the beta phase. Whoa, March is in next month, March. Yeah, right. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So in principle, the features are all implemented. And the next thing is... To, to go all, to all through the models and uh, to tweak the parameters. So I have a okay. lot of new test pilots, and it's always good uh, to have different opinions. Hey, if you need any beta testers, I think you know where to find three of them. So, Javier <laughs> uh, is already one. Oh damn it! I'm here. You didn't. You didn't tell me you were hiding something. <laughs> I bid you to it. I, I bid you to it. You uh, heard it here first. Awesome. <laughs> but of course, uh, uh, you're very welcome. Just send an email, and I give you the information where where to log in. And yeah. Sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for giving up your early morning slash late evening. Uh, to hang out with us. It was a, truly a pleasure to talk with you. And I think all of us are very excited um, and cannot wait to get the new version in our hands. And maybe we'll do another uh, episode where we um, kind of go over the new features and talk about them once we've all had a chance to, to play with it for a bit. But uh, yeah. It would be great. And, and you're doing a great job with this podcast. I heard all the, the, the episodes before. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. We enjoy. We definitely enjoy making it, um, and I'm sure that dozens of people around the world enjoy listening to it. <laughs>
Yes, the the four of them. <laughs> dozens, dozens. Okay, dozens, dozens. <laughs> so you have between one and two million listeners. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Michael, I have one last question for you. Uh, what is your personal setup when it comes to your logos? What um, what fly wireless do you use? What um, radio do you use? That kind of stuff. Uh, so the radio, I still have an old Futaba uh, transmitter. It's it's called T10, and it is one where you could change between 40 megahertz and, and uh, 2.4 gigahertz. Oh wow! So it's, it's okay. It's one of these, and it's still working great. So there's not really uh, a need to change it for me at the moment. And I have the VBAR system uh, and the Contronic, uh, and the Contronic with a Scorpion engine, but not 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 so uh, sophisticated at the end, yeah. But but the but the logo flies better than I can fly, so it's it's still challenging. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I will ever outfly my Flybarless system. Um, all, all right, so let um, again thank you, Michael, for coming on. Um, that was that was a treat. Uh, but let's move hey, on to real quick, real quick. Michael, are you finding nitro? <laughs> you had to, you had to ask that, didn't you? <laughs> of course, I had to. Uh, uh, you you ruined a perfectly happy day and then a perfect interview, Frank. You had you just had to do it. You just had to do it, man. I hear nitro. I hear nitro was outlawed in the European Union, Frank. I, I only have uh, electric helicopters and planes. You know, it's funny because during this interview, I I downloaded Heliex and I found the email from 2016 and I'm literally on the sim right now. And I'm like, okay, time to delete this now because it doesn't fly Nitro. So <laughs> so, so in the simulator, of course, Nitros are much are more fun because of the smoke. Oh, he said it. They're more fun. Great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, the problem is so in Germany, we have many restrictions with just flying. Uh, on 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 a on a field when it's not a dedicated field for model flying, and and then it's easier with electric engines than with uh, nitros. You have to add the Goblin Black Nitro, okay? That's that's a helicopter I fly the most, so you got to add that one to your sim, man. Well, Frank, I feel like this is one of the situations where you should build it. I mean, you've got relationships with Goblins. No, no, you no, know no, how to model. No, no, no. You know how to no, model no, no, no. in, in Maya. Why if you want you? it in there, you build it, man. <laughs> Why are you being so damn rude, man? Jesus. Why do you give me... Come on, man. I have a lot of work to do. I know. And one of those things to do is to model the new Goblin Nitro. When you do it with... The Kraken Nitro. When you do it with 3D Max, we convert it. It's not a problem. You can choose any software to make the models. All right. Frank, Frank, we'll... we'll Frank, we'll tag team it, okay? I'll do the, uh, I'll do the landing gear. You do everything else. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to model it in Rhino, though, and you're going to have to convert it into Max. So I'm in contact, for example, with Enrico. Uh, I have the feeling he has many other things to do. Yeah, he's a busy man. Um, it's not on the first place on, on the priority list of him. Yeah. But there's a Kraken now on the way, and in, in several weeks we have a, a Kraken electric, at least. Oh, nice. Oh, awesome. That, that'll, be my de facto, that'll be my de facto one. How many new models are you uh, you thinking that will be in included in version nine that aren't in eight? Uh, yeah, we have about one hundred models or so, and yeah, it's it's 
they, they are kept and improved. So there's a replash which is coming out new and, and the Kraken. And we were looking, we are in contact now with Ricardo and SAB uh, to, to get the right files to, to make more models. Well, it's been a while since I've been on here and it's actually been a while since I've updated. I just saw that you released the, uh, the Oxy-5, which is pretty cool. Oh, this is a very really cool, uh, cool helicopter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You haven't seen my YouTube channel, Paul. You know, I that's the video that I uploaded with the, with the new uh, Helix version nine and the Oxy five. No. Oh, that's a shame on you. That's a no, shame I, on you. I have notifications turned off uh, for Totus Coil's YouTube channel. <laughs> I unfollowed you. I unfollowed you. We're doing too many videos. You, you and Bill Ann. I unfollowed both of you guys. I'm not following any of you guys. You and Bill Ann. You guys are both out. Uh, so I mean I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Um, again, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for spending two hours with us. I, is the sun has the sun come up yet? Uh, no, it's still dark here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, go get some go get some coffee then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us, man. That was fantastic. Uh, very very interesting, and I cannot wait to try out the next version when it comes out. And I will be sending you my email very shortly to get it put on the beta list. Uh, also, thank you, Javier, for not telling me about it. But uh, as far as, let's see, getting a hold of us, if there, I think we're going to skip the personal ways of getting a hold of us just because we've mentioned it for the last five times. But if there, if you would like to contact the show, our email address is skidsup.podcast at gmail.com. And I believe Javier still has an unclaimed soldering iron for the first interested party in need. If you, is that correct, Javier? That is that is correct. Uh, you know, I still have that, and uh, you're more than welcome to get it. Um, and as I said, um, you know, someone that that uh, really needs it or that knows someone that needs it, you know, it's there for the taking. And Javier is so generous; he will even offer next day shipping for international viewers. He's so kind. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starting to hyperventilate. <laughs> um, Michael, if people would like to reach out to you about the um, about your, your software, what's the best way to, to find out more information? Yeah, on the web page, perhaps. So www.heli-x.net. Uh, and we are also on Facebook and, and the usual social media. You will find that. Just Google for Heli-X simulator. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And um, I think that'll do it for tonight, unless anyone else has any last minute comments. Um, well, just one more. Uh, I, and I just thought about that. Uh, Michael, uh, Heli, you just said Heli minus X. Is there any, uh, you know, why you chose that name? Any story behind the actual name of the software? Yeah, it's, it's a long time ago. Uh, we wanted a helicopter related thing with a nice logo and where the website is available. Uh, these are the requirements and then we ended up with this uh, <laughs> perhaps now it's not the best thing because there's more and more plane related stuff coming yeah but it's the name all right guys well thank you so much for joining us and we will see you on our next episode all right bye thank you bye bye thanks guys bye, -bye.